Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at a Chuckery Show. Final hour of the program is the start of the Brown Liquor Music Hour. I heard this on the uh, 80s channel the other day. A little Tina Turner to get us started. This, of course, uh, from the Mad Max theme. Um, this was what the third, third, this is beyond Thunderdome. This was the third movie because the Road Warrior was first. No. Yes. No. Mad Max was, Mad Max was first. Road Warrior was second. And Beyond Thunderdome was third. That's how that goes. Am I right on that? Yeah. Kind of an underrated song for uh, Tina Turner. But just sort of, uh, the thing about Tina, which she did so well, they just build, man. These songs just build and oh, yeah. build and build. And when it gets to the hook, the hook is just humongous. Yeah. Humongous hooks. And and she just she gets that voice going and just gets gets into it and cranked up and just phenomenal. And by the way, she starred in this movie as well. The funniest I swear to God, this is what like ninety-three was the last year the Lions made the playoffs. Uh-huh. And they ran a promo. I forgot if you do the Fox or that, CBS. That's my guy, Wayne Fonts, when they went to the playoffs in 93. If they used this promo for Scott Mitchell. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was that was my guy, Wayne Fonts, from Canton, Ohio. They used this promo for a Scott Mitchell, like, opening thing. And it was it's like, oh, Tina Turner for Scott Mitchell. Wonder how this is going to go. And, of course, you know, I had to win. Yeah. That yeah, was, I, just this, I just always remember this was. Scott Mitchell and Tina Turner for me will always be linked together. Is that the year that they lost to the Redskins in the conference championship game? Yeah. Was it conference championship? Or no, no. Or it was it was conference semifinals. Conference semifinals because they beat the Cowboys. That that's that was uh, the Cowboys that they beat right that year, and then then they lost to Washington, who ultimately did they beat the Falcons? Was that the year that they? No, I think it was the conference championship. Was it because, the conference championship? Because the, the semifinal game was Washington and the Falcons. That's right. And and the semifinal game was the Cowboys and the and the uh Lions in the other semifinal. That's where that's where uh the Falcons went up to Washington and they, they flooded thrubbed, the field. Yeah. They, well they flooded the field. Remember that 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 was uh I don't even know if that was FedEx field, but that was that might have been RFK. It was RFK. Yeah. But they flooded the field. Remember remember they went up there and they I do didn't remember have that. They didn't have, um, oh, oh gosh, who was the running back for out of Nebraska that did not go up, um, that did not make the trip because he got suspended? Um, oh gosh, oh man, um, it wasn't. It wasn't. Mike, was it Mike Rozier? Was it Mike Rozier? Was it Mike Rozier? I can't. I can't remember now. But didn't one of the running backs get suspended and not make the trip up there? Because that was their run and shoot years. That was. Jerry and um, what's his name? Um, the guy that would take over for Jerry. Um, oh gosh, the, the, um, what's the guy's name? June Jones. June Jones. Yeah, that was all the run and shoot teams. Because that's when the that's when the um, the the Georgia Dome had not been open all that long. Was no, it? Georgia Dome was open like a year. It opened like yeah. year, it opened a year before. Yeah. But wasn't that Mike Rogier that did not make the trip up no, there? No, I think it was Rogier. I'll I see who it was, but I'll figure that out here in a second. Okay. All right. Well, anyway. All right. So while he figures all of that out, so Dukes and Bell talked to Arthur Smith. And, um, you know, you know how we do it. We're going to react to the clips of the interview. We're going to play clips, and then we're going to react to what Coach had to say on it. So 
Let's start first. Some of this is a little bit repeat from the clip that we played earlier. That was at his press conference. Here's Arthur talking about red zone play calling. Look, when you don't get the results that you're you're after, um, you know, certainly with wins or, you know, <clears throat> you're not as, uh, you know, efficient as you're, as you're set out to be in some of the situations, and all criticism is fair. And, you know, and everybody has it right. Nobody's immune to that. Constructive criticism is always healthy. If you know what you're doing, when I talk about being objective, if you can dive in there and you look at the 99 plays we've had down there, and, and that's adding, you know, a two points, some of the plays that don't get credited because of a defensive penalty or maybe an offensive penalty. So you're looking at it and you're looking at it, and that's what you have to do. And if you want to be really good in any business, you got to constantly challenge yourself. And you go look at mistakes or things that haven't worked, and can you say, okay, challenger, you know why you're doing stuff, and or what are you going to do to fix it? That's always the case. So that's the first thing. And there's multiple things that can be true as you're trying to put context to it. So we've had 28 drives down the red zone, right? They count that as soon as you get inside the 20. Everybody knows that. So 28, we've got 14 touchdowns. So that's 50%. Now where you want to be. You want to be at least in the you know, mid-60s, high-60s. You're, you're usually the top. And you, certainly you're driving for 100%. So you break them down. So 14 were successful if you're counting by touchdown. So you look at the other 14, nine, and it field goals. You know, two of them were situational game winners. You know, Green Bay, we were playing what we call the Kobe situation, close the game. You know, we were taking a risk. We wore down, but you're trying to end, you know, coup out there two seconds, go home. Now we got to a minute, didn't convert third down. And then the other one was Houston, right? We get in there, technically kicked it inside the red zone stack. So then, you know, you've got seven other ones. So what broke down? You know, why didn't we score touchdowns? And every one of them different. And you've got to understand the intent and how we – we are. And so a play, a lot of times, if it's called to Drake or it's called to Kyle, it's called to Bijan or it's called to Tyler or John or whatever, we got a lot of guys in the score. And we understand that. You make early investments. But, you know, there's two sides of it, too. John and Tyler are pretty good players. Okay. I, I get that. My first, by the way, too, we established that Mike Rozier was the guy suspended. Uh, I remember that because he was, he was, suspe- I think he was late or something or. Something maybe it was drugs. I mean, maybe, maybe it was drug related. But but I remember he got suspended going up to to Washington. So that's number one. Um, look, we don't put the ball in the hands of the guys who should be making the biggest impact. London, Pitts, Bijan Robinson. We don't we don't feed them enough. Yes, Johnu Smith is a very good player. Tyler Algier is a very good player. That should be your third and fourth options or fourth or fifth options when you get in the red zone because those aren't the guys that are supposed to change the dynamic of the franchise. Are they not? I mean, they're definitely important pieces, but if Bijan Robinson isn't a touchdown machine or Kyle Pitts or Drake London, then why'd you draft those guys where you drafted them? Because you have to draft impact players. And right now, we don't get enough impact out of those three guys specifically. Not all their fault, but we don't get the impact that we need from those guys. Here's uh, Arthur talking about the lack of targets for the playmakers. I get it. Right. When you, you don't see you know everything, you, whatever. I mean, there's plenty of targets that go in there, and there's other things that break down. I mean, guy could be open, we get sacked. I mean, that's that's happened. Um, you know, as, as the primary, you know, you got a lot of – good players and you're trying to mix and match and again you know when you're 50 percent down there whatever we are what 19th whatever that's not where we want to be right 
And so they, they do open up questions, right? So we only got 28 points last week. Didn't get it. It wasn't enough. And, you know, you're disappointed when you lose a game like that. And then there's other things that guys are dealing with. Like, you know, Kyle's been coming back from this. I think he's starting to hit his stride. I think you saw that in the second half. And there's so much thing, so many details that go into it. But we got great guys. It's why you don't see the the BS drama because we're transparent and, and it's not lost on me. It doesn't work or something not. You know, there's a process to it where you feel you're close and there's a couple other things to say, hey, let's do this thing different. So that's what you do. And that's what football is. And you're going to find out when you get into adversity, which this game is going to teach you about. Okay. That all sounds good. Get the ball to Bijan Pitts in London. I, that all sounds good. And, and I understand. But you've got to have those guys. Those guys should be leading the way with impact. Or you didn't put this roster together very well. We have to maximize because those are arguably – the guys that are going to change the direction of this franchise the most. And if those guys can't get it done, it shouldn't be because we don't feed them enough or what have you. Uh, here's uh, Arthur talking about the ineffectiveness of the running game. One is some of the attempts, and it depends on the game plan. We've tried to you make investments to try to be more balanced. Uh, and so – we don't want to be just one-dimensional, but we want to. We, we can hang our hat on it. I think you saw that last drive, and what happened is, you know, they did Minnesota did everything to try to blow up the run game, get us off track. They brought every kind of zero pressures in this game of the game, and you adjust, and you got them locked into something. And we basically said, we're going to wear your ass down. And that's what we did. So why in the hell am I going to take Tyler Algier off the field? No. When he's the right tool. Right. The job. Like, but, but that's what that's, you want when you got a right. lot of good players. Well, okay, so on that final drive, that touchdown drive. They took the ball out of Tyler he- Taylor Heineke's hands, and they ran it 12 straight times. Now, one of those runs was Heineke scrambled out of the pocket, but they ran it 12 straight times. You can, I mean, look, it's your commitment. that We always talk about this. Bill Parcells, the number one thing that he looked at on the stat sheet was how many rushing attempts did I have? Not how many yards, not how many yards per carry, not how many of this or that. He wanted to see how many rushing attempts did we have. And that was his stat. Why? Because, again, you eventually wear down a defense. And the Falcons did that. And our bread and butter, our M.O., is to run the football. We can't be a balanced enough offense because we don't have the quarterback play. We don't have guys that are lights-out quarterbacks. We don't have the Pat Mahomes and – Josh Allens and Joe Burrows and guys like that in the world. So we have to run the football and do what we do. They're never going to win games if Taylor Heineke, uh, Desmond Ritter, throw it 47 times. It's never going to happen. You can be balanced, but you better be a run-heavy team first. Here's uh, Arthur on it feels like he gets cute with his play calling. It's why if you really talk to our players, we all know what's going on. It's not like somebody's out there to, like, let's not use this guy. It's never your intent. Every play you call, you're calling because you believe it has a chance to score a touchdown. If it doesn't, okay, what broke down? And look dumb as hell if you, you know, take a risk. And sometimes maybe you look at it like, damn, try to get too cute there. Nobody's immune to that. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like at times we've gotten too cute? Well, there's two of them for sure because – you know, you didn't – and it goes back to this. I, I don't ever look at it. I think too many people try to make excuses. Like, it's easy as a coach to say, well, 
this guy should have done this or that. Okay, well, why didn't it? Well, maybe the detail wasn't good or, you know, whatever it is. Or maybe we should have settled down before you try it. There's all things. I mean, it's, you know, some of it's not being a martyr, but you're looking at the whole picture. Like I said, sometimes you call it like the third down in Green Bay. We call flea flicker. It kind of got us going. It looked dumb as hell if we didn't work. And why would you call a flea flicker in third and three? Well, thought I had a chance to work, and I believed in our guys. Well, I, uh, okay, I get some of that, but again, I'll go back to it's a very simple formula. You have to get the ball into the hands of your playmakers, and we've invested a lot of draft capital. Now, again, everybody may not work out. That's fine. I understand that. But what what's the old saying? An unused weapon is a useless weapon. You know, if why <laughs> – doesn't it feel like all of these other teams find a way to target their best guys? We, we gave you the numbers on Kelsey. Like, they find – and let me ask you, Orn, do they double-team Kelsey? I, I mean, he's not unique. He gets double-teamed. Teams try to take him away in their game plan, but yet they find a way. They scheme, or at times, you force the football. And maybe we need to do a little bit more of that. Maybe so. I don't know. But certainly we've got to get some of these guys more involved in what we're doing. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. Let me do um, Arthur Smith talking about finding out how this uh, how this week this team handles adversity. Yeah, I mean, it's just sometimes it's wherever you begin. There's some things we need to settle down. We need to go get this win. You know, we're all disappointed we didn't get the win last week and some, you know, we believe in this team and these guys and been in more situations. We're going to find out about us in adversity because we brought it on ourselves. But like I said, we're not dead. The midpoint, no. I've been in teams when you no. win six or seven games and the bottom falls off because you don't have the right mindset. You get comfortable and get your, you know what, kicked. Right. And then it starts going south. But we got an opportunity, thankfully, and we've got the right divisional wins. Go get Arizona. Let's get off the bye and let's, let's go. Let's make a push. Well, again, um, Part of that adversity is the coaching aspect of it. That's also part of the adversity that needs to be overcome. You know, again, I don't, I, at this point, I'm not worried about how they play. Like, I, just find a way to win. At this point, going into the bye, just find a way to get a win. And I've said this multiple times. You have to take advantage of your schedule. The Cardinals are a lousy football team. I don't care if Kyler Murray plays or doesn't play. They're still a lousy football team. All right, let me get this last clip. Arthur talking about focused on a win this week and then the quarterback situation. Yeah, I think you had a point, right? We got to get this win. I think some things we needed to settle down, and um, we're not immune to it. I mean, it does, it's there's things that go on sometimes that you can say, hey, look, we got to get this settled down. And so I'll just tell a story, you know, talking to Joe Gibbs, and he reminded me he basically had to do the same thing with Mark Rippon. He started off, and I was going to look this up. He said he was turning the ball up so much. Sat him, got it fixed. Mark goes on and wins the Super Bowl and MVP. I'm not, trust me, I'm not projecting that. I'm not making predictions, but you know that's our goal. We want to win Super Bowls here. And we, first of all, we need to get back on the winning first and right. win the division get to the playoffs. That's our goal. But it's happened to other quarterbacks. It's happened. Okay, I mean, again, like I said, four to one, 28 to three, whatever it's got to be. Just find a way to get a victory in Arizona. 
All right, when we get back, uh, we're going to flip things up a little bit. We're going to hear from Jason Longshore. I had a chance to catch up with him earlier, coming off a big win for Atlanta United. We're going to do That's Life coming up at 940 in the final second. Segment, I should say. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Wednesday evening. Coming off of a very impressive win for Atlanta United and extend the series Sunday, 7 o'clock p.m. on Star 94. Star 94 at 7 o'clock. Columbus and Atlanta, do or die, game three. This man will be on the call. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy, Jason Longshore, of course, color analyst for all things Atlanta United, and uh, he is on Twitter, at Longshoe, and he'll be part of the broadcast on Sunday, along with Mike uh, Mike Connie. 7 o'clock uh, kickoff, and uh, this will be on Star 94. Jason, my friend, that was an exciting match last night, all kinds of good stuff that uh, developed last night, but we always thank you for being on the show with me. No, thanks for having me on. It was a fun one last night, and I, I said it to Dukes and Bell before the game. I, I really like what this team can be. I really enjoy this group right now, and I wanted to see them get an opportunity to get to this game three. It felt like they had deserved that with the potential that they've shown, and man, they delivered on it last night. You know, Jason, um, one of the things that I took away is that you know, when you get to this time of the year, I, I don't care what sport it is, whether it's baseball, in the playoffs, you know, playoff football, but you have to have your stars be your stars, right? That's why you have those kinds of guys. And Yakimakis, Almada, like those guys really stepped up. And I think that was a big difference. Just you saw that those guys flexed their muscle. Yakimaki scored the goal, you know, toward the end of the first half and then um, you know, you just – Almada had a, a goal uh, as well. Yakimakis, I think, was the third player ever to have a goal and a couple of assists and stuff. But your stars, I thought, were really your stars. And I think, obviously, look, I mean, they need more of that, you know, come Sunday night. Yeah, I'll include Brooks Lennon in that, that selection as well in terms of stars with this team. Uh, I feel like Lennon – you know, look, when you're a defender and you're a fullback, you might get overlooked when it comes to the attack. He provides so much with the attack. He's one of the most accurate crossers you're going to find in the league. But his defending is also very, very good. He's he's one of those guys in this league that is right under the level at the moment in terms of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I think he is a best 11 caliber player in this league at his position. And he delivered last night as well. The the cross on uh, the opening goal to Yakamakis, inch perfect. And the ball over the top to set up the second goal for Saba Lobjanidze to then play to Yorgos to then lay off for Shande Silva. It all starts with that ball from Brooks, which is somehow even better than the cross that he gets the assist for. The, the big players stepped up big, but then the supporting cast was also really good in this one. Tristan Muyamba. His best game in an Atlanta shirt. I thought Miles Robinson had a great game. Mateus Hosechu before he went out injured. And then Jay Fortune comes in to replace him. Really good performances all the way around. What did you think about, you know, because, again, there was such a flurry at the end of the first half where it was back and forth and Atlanta United taking the lead. What do you think, I mean, break it down as far as just the first 37, 38 minutes 
versus that flurry right before the half. Like, what would you thought? What did you think about the pace and everything leading up to that flurry of goals? Leading up to Columbus's equalizer, I thought Atlanta was the better team. I thought they were better than the one goal lead at that point. The game was being played kind of the way Atlanta wanted it. Columbus, though, with a turnover in the buildup and Sean De Silva trying to flick that to Tristan Muyamba. So many times that comes off and you break and you have an odd man rush going the other way. When it doesn't, you're in trouble. And Atlanta was in trouble in that moment. Columbus really for the first time was able to get Cucho Hernandez in a 1v1 situation, and he is just so good in those moments. He beat Miles Robinson in a 1v1, got the touch to the right, slammed it back to the near post, which is so difficult to do. And you think, okay, it's going to be 1-1, going to go to halftime, regroup, get control back. It's going to be a really tight second half. But then they immediately answered, and, and going back to that ball from Lennon over the top, they were really down to the last roll of the dice in in stoppage time in the first half, and Columbus extended that stoppage time. Think back to Aiden Morris trying to draw a card, rolling around and, and wasting time. That gave Atlanta a few more seconds, and Chris Pinto allowed one more break. Lennon puts it over the top, and Atlanta manufactures the opportunity. That response is one of those moments that, when you go into a tough game like game three, and hopefully you go beyond that, that's one of those moments that you just le- look back on and say, we're always in every game. You know, you're, you're never in the worst spot here because this team can get from the back to the front so quickly and create a dangerous scoring opportunity. And they needed that. And I think it gave them the confidence to go forward and get the job done in the second 45. Jason Longshore joining me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Of course, he'll be on the call coming up on Sunday night at 7 o'clock. Jason and Mike uh, Mike Connie will have the call. Game three up in Columbus is Atlanta United in a do-or-die situation. You know, Jason, we've spent a lot of this season talking about the idea of getting off to a, a good start, getting off to a fast start, playing well. And I really thought, look, getting that goal initially and, you know, again, the the, the – Columbus comes back quickly and equalizes. But just the flow of getting that first goal, finding a way to get a goal with the lead into halftime. Like, that's Atlanta United. Like, when when we see Atlanta United struggle, it, it's all of these things that they can't score, they're down, you're losing at the half. I mean, just all of those things that have been the negatives about it. But I thought that that was really just – the way you wanted to play it out. I mean, again, you can always score quicker, but I just thought that the flow of the end of that first half is exactly how you wanted it going into the half, and I thought it was a real momentum booster coming into the second half. Yeah, I mean, I like the way that they they got back on their feet after getting sucker punched with the Columbus goal because it's so quick. It, It does feel like a sucker punch, and it stuns you for a second. They didn't really hesitate there really wasn't much of a a stutter there to them in those moments they pretty much went back to business straight away the interesting thing going into game three in this series these two teams are so different in terms of when the goals happen and when they're at their strongest columbus is a massive first half team 
when you look at when they concede their goals, they've conceded 12, now 14 in the first halves of games in MLS play. They've conceded now 34 in the second half. So they really drop off. I don't think they're as deep as Atlanta United. So Atlanta can go and get, bring a guy in like Edwin Mosquera, and Atlanta has had situations where they've conceded goals in the second halves of games this year and draw points. That's true. But they're also a very big-time plus, I think it's up to plus 12 after the 75th minute in goal differential. That's a crazy number. They've scored so many goals late in games. That's something to keep in the back of your mind as game three goes on. Columbus is a team that has to start hot and has to get going early. If they don't, it seems like they get tired. I don't know if they lose their focus. I don't know if they just don't have the options off the bench to maintain it. Atlanta's the opposite. Atlanta can get going early, but if they don't, they've got that firepower to get goals late in games. And we've seen that this year where, yeah, they've conceded and dropped some points, but they've also rescued a lot of points and turned draws into wins or losses into draws. And in game three, you have to get a result to at least send it to penalties to determine who's going through. So how important, and and I don't mean just advancing to the next round and obviously it's do or die and and all that. I'm talking about bigger picture, 35,000-foot view, because this is a franchise that – a few years ago, they could do no wrong. They were the talk of the town. They were the babe, the boy, as uh, Bo Bach would say. I mean, they were they were at the top of the mountain. And then, you know, again, it's been ups and downs and things like that over the last few years. How important just for this franchise is winning this game in Columbus, advancing and kind of getting back to, okay, you know, we're still kind of – one of the teams that's at the top of this mountain, because again, for all the goodwill, if you if you you know that you had in game two, if you come out and lay an egg in game three, all that goodwill really goes away. See, I think this conversation was really the one before game two. If you didn't get to game three, yeah, that's a dent. I don't think it's anything catastrophic because of how good I feel like Columbus is and. Honestly, how good this Eastern Conference is. Uh, it's The league is very tilted to the East right now. Maybe just a fluky year, whatever. But Atlanta, sixth in the East in the table, that's seventh overall in the league. The Western Conference is not as competitive. So a lot of times, you know, if you're, you're spread out, like Atlanta would have been second in the West. And I think we have a very different feel if you're second in the conference going into the postseason versus sixth. They had to get to game three. They had to take it back to Columbus. I don't, I don't look at it quite like you're playing with house money here, that, that it doesn't matter. I think you have to deliver a performance and be competitive here. But they have established themselves back to where they needed to be, in my opinion. I think that started with the summer transfer window. They had to not just add good players, but they had to get the cap, I think, in a manageable spot as well to give them the flexibility going forward because you know how this league is. You're going to have guys come and go. You're going to have big clubs come in and put offers in front of players that are too good to say no to. You're going to have opportunities to bring in really good players. So you want to have some flexibility. And I think Atlanta chasing things in the last couple of years because of injuries 
you had to, to go and make some moves and, and, and get closer to maxing out your cap. Now I think you've got that flexibility again, while also improving your depth and also adding Sean De Silva as a starter, adding Saba Lobchenitz as a starter, adding Tristan Mouyamba as a starter, adding Edwin Mosquera, who would start for a lot of teams in this league and is your best weapon off the bench right now. That's a pretty good summer window. So I like where you are. I wish you had more time to continue developing the chemistry. It's come together incredibly fast and incredibly well. Columbus has been together a little bit longer with a couple of additions in the summer for them as well. I really hope they can find that proper chemistry in this game where it is going to be difficult. They're not going to control it. I don't think for the 90 minutes. I don't think for for 60 of the 90. Columbus at home, they don't lose very often. I think Atlanta's capable of going in and getting the result that they need, but it will not be easy, and they're going to have to lean on one another in this match. Last question for you, Jason. So as we look ahead to game three, you know, we talked about stars being stars. We talked about both teams really need to kind of get off to a fast start. But give me something that's an X factor that we need to be watching out for in game three. Something that is not just the big, bold headline, but maybe some kind of underlying note that you're looking at as we head to game three. I'm really curious to see what Wilfred Nancy's change is because in – previous games and pretty much all year he's done this and he did it at Montreal a little bit too during his previous stop there but he's got more weapons in Columbus he makes a tweak to his team it might be personnel it might be moving the personnel into a different position it might be something tactical but he always makes a tweak win or lose he's always looking at what the opponent does and he's trying to accentuate a positive in his group and take away something from the opponent In this series, for me, Atlanta has been able to exploit Julian Gressel's lack of defending and his lack of pace. I think Caleb Wiley's done a great job on Gressel from a defensive perspective. Sean DeSilva has been able to get in behind him. We saw that a lot early in game two. I wouldn't be surprised if Columbus makes a move there to go for somebody like Mo Farsi, who has started a lot this year. He's got more pace. That would be more of a challenge. If Gressel is in the team, in my opinion – On the road, Atlanta has to look for the big switch over the top to the left. That's to Shonde Silva in behind. I thought that's where the game started to turn in game two. They hit that a couple times. Columbus starts to shift and cheat over and try to protect it, and it opened up space on the right. If they start with Gressel, that's almost an automatic for me in long diagonals, play Shonde Silva in behind, and force Columbus to deal with it. He will be on the call Sunday night, 7 o'clock kick. Jason Longshore and Mike, uh, Mike Connie will have all of your action on Star 94 as do or die in Columbus. Atlanta United looks to advance. Jason, join me here on the waitfor.com hotline. You can follow Jason on his personal Twitter page, at Longshoe. And, of course, uh, Jason, as always, thank you so much, my friend. We will certainly talk again here soon. And hopefully we've got good news to talk about on Sunday and an advancement so that we can keep this thing rolling. Yeah, hopefully we're getting ready for the Eastern Conference semifinals. Thanks you, for having me on. You got it. Chuckery here. We'll be back. Sports Radio, 92 on the game, odyssey.com app. So 92.9, the game, back at a Chuckery show. 9.43 in the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-726-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. 
Uh, we lost one of my favorite sports personalities of all time here recently, uh, back on November 1st. Coach Bobby Knight, obviously the long-term coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, and we'll get to this in our top 10. Um, obviously one of the most polarizing, controversial coaches of all time. Can I tell you, every time I see that clip of him throwing that chair on the court, I love it. I love it. I, I, I love Bobby Knight. And look, I know he had some issues with players. Go talk to some of his players. They love playing for Bobby Knight. And Bobby, and you know what else about Bobby Knight? Never got Indiana in trouble. Think about all the problems Indiana has had with the Calvin Sampsons. And Didn't he have, like, an insanely high graduation rate, too? Yep, absolutely. Obviously the coach of the 1984 Olympic team, arguably the best Olympic team ever with Michael, Wayman Tisdale, Keith Lee, all the guys that they had on that team, Sam Perkins and everybody. Uh, Patrick Ewing was on that team. John Konkak was on that team as well out of a SMU. And Joe Klein, the other center on that team. Joe Klein, John Konkak, and Patrick Ewing. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. A lot of mayonnaise in that grouping. Woo, man, goodness gracious. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around uh, to all of this. So um, did you see, Oren, I know Dukes and Bell were talking about this, but Al Michaels, who says he's never had a vegetable in his life, he put out his top five most hated vegetables. Okay? Number one was asparagus. Number two was spinach. Number three, broccoli. Number four, onions. And number five, mushrooms. Can I tell you something about broccoli? Mm-hmm. If I know broccoli is in something, I will get sick and I will gag. Really? If, if, if you tell me it's in there, if I don't know that it's in there, then I'm okay. I've gotten better about trying to eat it, but, like, if I'm eating something – and I don't know what's in there, and you tell me it's in there, I will gag. So if you just see broccoli, does it give you that gag reflex? Or? Not necessarily, but it's something about it. As a kid, my mom fixed broccoli when I was growing up, and one of those things that like, I tried to eat, and then I tried to eat, and I would throw up, and she just she never understood why that would happen. Just, I, I, I can't eat it. Like, I, I physically cannot put this in my mouth, chew it, and swallow it. Was it the cyanide that they, she laced it with? Or? I mean, if she laced it with cyanide, it did the reverse of what it was supposed to do, I guess. Well, I, yeah, but I, again, you threw it all back up. So, none, um, yeah, none got down. I, I'm i a fan of all of these vegetables. Justice for asparagus. Asparagus, was a, there's a couple vegetables as I've gotten older in life. Yes. Uh, asparagus being one, like, you could do some great things with asparagus. You can grill it. You can saute it. Oh my gosh! Just you can put the you put, you put the one end. You know what, John? What? Don't do that. Oh, don't do that. No, please, what? please no. What? There's a it's group not, of it's group not of a, college students out there who are. A, it's not a visual medium. There's some students out there, John, with the radio on, and we don't want to scare them away from radio already. Okay. So. But um, yeah, and Brussels sprouts the same way too. Justice for Brussels sprouts. Um, I I. I hated beets as a kid, but I like beets now. Won't do beets. Yeah, I like beets on on my salads and stuff. Um, All right. uh, There's a story going around uh, on the web, the interwebs, that says Marvel is considering bringing back the original Avengers roster for another movie, including Iron Man and Black Widow, who were killed off in Endgame. Bringing back the original cast would excite fans and could easily be explained through the multiverse concept. 
What do you think about that idea? Now, supposedly, um, what's his name? Captain America. He he said he wasn't going to play Captain yeah, America. Yeah, no, Chris is done. Uh, Chris Evans is done. Um, they aren't having the same sort of vibe Absolutely. and buzz and success yep. as they did when they had the... Because, the, because it's been, honestly... It's been Ant-Man and even this Marvel's movie. and They were hoping that Paul Rudd and Ant-Man could carry it mm-hmm. around a little bit, and the movie didn't do as well as they thought they would. Um, Look, the TV shows that they've had aren't pulling the numbers that they thought they were, so at this point they're like, we got to figure out how we can you know, well, again, plug the dam, so to speak. Again, I've talked about this with Day-Day before. You start getting to a point where nobody knows what, what – that movie with Angelina Jolie and Selma oh, the, Hayek. the Eternals. Okay. Which was God Nobody awful. knows who they're all. Nobody knows who those people are. Like, I know Iron Man. I know Iron Man. I, I know Aquaman. I know Spiderman. So their thought process was that it's the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. When you had this group that maybe weren't as well known to non-comic book fans. Right. But... It had this huge success, and it catapulted these folks to, like, Marvel superstardom. So Marvel, you know, they're hubris. They think, well, we did this for Guardians of the Galaxy. We can do this for uh, Seema Lee and his movie, and Seema Lee and his movie, and and the Eternals, and we can carry the Ant-Man thing, and, and we can have these TV shows with all these characters that people haven't really heard of before unless you're a true comic book fan. And fans are just like, well, you know, no. And and even and the and the crazy thing about it too is, they have pulled out all the stops for a list talent, like they have. Listen, you can't get bigger female stars than Angelina Jolie. What I've also read too is that there is a fear in bringing back, say, a Robert Downey Jr. to play Ant, play Iron Man because he's gonna want like I think he got for Iron Man three he got twenty five million up front, and that was before all the back end stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And and look. But again, if it makes four hundred gazillion dollars, it's worth it. In that then, man. then you bring back Iron Man, Iron Iron Man, Spiderman. Not even a hero that a- Aqua, exists. Aquaman, a- Aquaman, yes, Aquaman, Aquaman. They're, they've got Aqua. another one of those movies coming out. Yeah, that's going to be dreadful. Yeah, I, uh, I'll go see it. Is is uh, is the girl Johnny Depp's girlfriend in they the movie? They tried to uh, Amber Heard Mara. They tried uh-huh. to take her out but she's still kind of she's she she plays like the mother of aquaman's kid so you can't really you can't really take her out the movie okay so maybe maybe johnny depp needs to just run her over or something like that in the movie (laughs) just yeah sure anyway all right speaking of bobby knight tonight's top 10 list because i know we got to do quick um your top 10 favorite a-holes i don't care if it's movies tv sports your top ten favorite a-holes of all time, or on the floor is yours. All right. This, by far, was the toughest list I've ever had to do for these top ten lists, John. This is okay. This is a struggle. Okay. I got ten names here, so okay. here we go. Uh, in the fictional world of TV, uh, Al Bundy. Okay. Lovable, lovable guy. Uh, Charles Barkley. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because he's such a dynamic actor, but you don't really want to cross him on on film sets, as evidenced by recordings. Christian Bale. Um, I've got him on my list because, again, when he did that Terminator movie, he went off on some people. That recording that he had. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this guy is a great actor as well, but I've heard like 
when he goes out to eat, instead of like leaving tips, he leaves autographed copies of a DVD series he was in. Wow. Jeremy Piven leaves autographed copies of oh, Entourage okay. for okay. Uh, nice. for people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Steve Smith of the NFL. Okay. Uh, Liam Gallagher of Oasis. Oh my God, <laughs> they they are insufferable. They are insufferable. Again, yes. no, he, he compared Noel's himself. No, a little bit that, better, that, but Liam is. He compared himself, said they were bigger than the Beatles. There's an uh, the unplugged they did where Liam just kind of sits up in the rafters while his brother plays. And he just, yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, Bobby Brown, love Bobby. Bobby's oh, a bit of you a, know what? That's a good one. That's a really good one. Because, again, I can't help but love his music, either new edition or yeah. on his own. Super talented. Or on our own. <laughs> no, on our own. There you go. Uh, my last two. But he, um, but he basically killed Whitney Houston. I'm, well, I'm not saying he physically, but. Whitney his, was. I thought about putting Whitney on my list because Whitney had some demons. So oh, I mean, listen. Whitney when, had some when, demons, too, when, now. when they were running around Buckhead, the two of them, down at the Palm and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they had some moments down there. A lot there. of moments. Yeah. Uh, my last two. Uh Anita Baker. I love Anita to death, but Anita is like diva the diva centric. of yes. all divas. Yes. She basically ran yeah. baby. She kicked Babyface yes. off the tour they were doing. She blamed Babyface for something that wasn't even in Because Babyface's fans came at her. She was yeah. like, well, he, okay, I'll kick him off the tour. Yeah. How about that? I'll just, I'll just fire him off Just the fire tour. him off the tour. Yeah, that's great. And my last one, the king of all the kings, Michael Jordan. Oh, okay. Nice. All right, um, I've got Barry Bonds on my list. Christian Bale is on my list. Good one, good one. Ariana Grande. Really? On, oh, my God. Have you heard some of the stories about when she was on Sam and Cat and some no. of those? No. Oh, yeah, bad, bad, bad. Uh, Bill Lane Beer, who was drafted by the Cavs. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Uh, Bubba Watson. Uh, I've heard. I didn't know Bubba was that way. Bubba, Bubba's, Bubba's a little that's cantankerous. disappointing. Um, Reggie Jackson, love Reggie Jackson, and there's been all kinds of stories about Reggie. Didn't I know that one either. Uh, Bobby Knight, obviously. Um, two wrestlers, Hulk Hogan and Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner was nothing but nice to me, uh-huh. but I've heard stories about Scott Steiner and just his, again, he's got roid rage, I mean, but yeah, anyway. Pretty that's much, nothing. Yeah. And then finally, me. You put your own stuff on the list? Yeah. I'm you didn't make my top ten list, I'll tell you that much. Because well, I'm not a big enough a-hole. Or maybe I'm the biggest a-hole. Anyway, all right. Wrapping it up when we get back. Love TKO. Chuck Randy Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 9 the Game, Odyssey.com app. Just to see you.